0: Welcome in. This is Religionless Christianity. I'm your host, Spencer. It's my beautiful wife, Nikki. Hello. And we're so grateful that you're joining us today. If you're new here, we like to get it out up front and early that we are not religionless. And this show is not religionless, but it's more the world and specifically this nation that is increasingly secular, very religionless place, you could say, and that at least in part is where the name comes from. So how can we live a life that's pleasing to God in a religionless world? That's what we're going to be trying to help you with, help ourselves with, by looking at some stories from the news um, that happened in the last week. So today on the show, we're going to be taking a look at um, mass shootings. Uh, Those kind of took some of the headlines, most of the headlines this week. Um, We're also going to take a look at porn stars turned pastor. Uh, another survey on american christianity and then we will end with a discussion on Patrick Mahomes, Super Bowl champion Patrick Mahomes. So this should be a good show. Might even be so good it's going to be hard for me to blow it, but we'll see. Stick around and find out. But before we get to everything, is there anything you'd like to say? Praise reports, prayer requests, anything of that sort?
1: Um we'll just be praying for me and Spencer. We I don't know if we brought it up already, but we started the process to be uh, foster parents, but just starting out as respite foster parents. Um, So there's a lot of paperwork and a lot of training and home visits, and this all has to be done within 120 days, which is, seems like a lot of days, but it's not. It's going by fast already. So just pray that we're just wise with our time and like the things work out with getting to these trainings and getting. All the paperwork done, so.
0: Yeah, when every appointment's at nine o'clock in the morning, you're like, kind of a work day. Uh, it's not super no. easy, but praise God, I have a job that allows me flexibility.
1: The one positive. the
0: <laughs> So it's good. We'll make it. Um, please with your prayers, we'll most certainly make it. So please pray for us there. Um, and then just praise report. Uh, my seminary journey has been going wonderfully. I've got a great mentor in Dave, been a blessing to sit down and have discussions. You know, we're going through our classes and one of the statements, one of our seminary professors made, he said, seminary would be unnecessary if the church was healthy in America, Mm. because you should be raising up and preparing, you know, members in your church to be elders in your church and Mm. take on new churches. But um. And I've been fortunate to, to do that in our church with uh, Dave and then also just eldership training with Sean and the other guys. It's been a huge blessing. Certainly, I'm enjoying that. God is definitely good. Um, but also, if you guys have prayer requests, praise reports, um, please send them to us. You know, uh, we've got email down in the show notes. If you want to email stuff that you're praying for that you'd like us to join and pray with you about, please send them to us. We'd be more than happy to join with you in prayer. Um all right. So getting into the news now and what a week it was. Um we'll start with mentioning that this week was a pretty tragic week. We had multiple, you know, mass shooting events. Um we'll start with taking a look at what took place during the uh Kansas City Chiefs Super Bowl parade. Do you want to read this headline?
1: At least eight children among twenty two hit by gunfire at end of Chief's Super Bowl parade. One person killed.
0: Yep, so twenty two people injured in this shooting. The one person killed was a Lisa Lopez Gelvan. Um, she was the woman that got killed. She was a mother of two, the article mentioned. so please pray for her family. Um, the details, the full details of the shooter. Uh, of the shooters, I believe they've detained two people so far, but the full details really haven't been revealed just yet. So tragic situation, scary, I would imagine, for the folks that are there. Um, so please be in prayer for them. But that was not the only mass shooting this weekend. Do you want to read this headline?
1: New York uh, subway shooting kills one after brawl erupts on train and the New York City police said they are searching for a gunman who opened fire on a subway train and station platform in the Bronx on Monday, killing one man and injuring five other people, says a 34-year-old man died while five others taken to hospitals sustained non-life-threatening injuries. The victims ranged in age from 14 to 71 and included four males and two females.
0: Yep. So in this instance, last I checked, the shooter or shooters, I think, I don't know, are still at large in New York. So I don't think they've caught them just yet. But again, pray for the families that were affected in New York. Again, that's a scary situation, trapped in a subway. yeah. Guns start going off. There's not many places to get out of there. So that's pretty scary. Um, But then lastly, there was a shooting that took place at the Lakewood Church which is, of course, where Joel Osteen is the pastor. I believe it's the third largest church in the country. Do you want to read this headline, honey?
1: Police identify uh, Janessa Moreno as shooter at Joel Osteen's Lakewood Church. Um, At approximately 1.53 p.m. Sunday, Moreno, carrying an AR-15 rifle, pushed past a security guard and walked into a hallway at Lakewood Church with a boy uh, the Houston Police Department said during a Monday news conference. Over the next 12 minutes, Moreno opened fire in the hallway, exchanged gunfire with two off-duty officers who were providing security at the church and was fatally injured, said the Houston Police Department. Moreno was confirmed dead at 2.07 p.m. The boy was taken to Texas Children's Hospital, where he is in critical condition. Um, and that boy is her, is her son.
0: Yeah, that's what the article mentions that the boy that was killed was her son. So, you know, of all the shootings, we know more about the shooter in this case. As Nikki mentioned, her name is Je- Genesee Moreno. Though in the past, she went by Jeffrey Moreno Carranza, I guess. Um, yeah. Some of these articles say she had a long criminal history with a history of mental illness as well, I read. Um, and then again, her seven year old son. Um, I guess, was the one that was killed in the shooting, though they don't know exactly who fired the shot that killed the boy just yet. So I'm sure more is going to come of this shooter, who they were, why they did what they did.
1: It just makes me wonder why she brought her son. Like, did she think she wouldn't get shot at because the kid was with her? Like, she was using her kid as a shield almost, or to deter the security guards from shooting at her.
0: It doesn't sound like it because, you know... Probably could have been much more catastrophic what happened there, you know, walking into a church, shooting, you know, people are not expecting to be bugging out of a church, you know, because of uh, an active shooter or whatever. So I don't know why she would have brought the son. Some of the articles mentioned that she had like family kind of turmoil, I think, with a husband or a significant other or something to that effect. Don't really know yet, I'm sure we may find out. I mean, who knows? She's dead now, but, um,
1: it's very strange to plan to do something
0: like that and bring your kid. Well, and again, if she has a history of mental illness, you know, who knows how far reaching that is, but you know, those make for a pretty tough week, obviously three sort of mass shooting events, if you want to call them that. And that's without looking at just the normal chaos and destruction That takes place all across this nation basically every week. It was just another yawner of a week in Chicago where 18 were shot and one were killed in just your random, you know, late winter, early spring Chicago gun violence. Uh, This stuff barely makes the national news anymore. That, you know, this just happens regularly in Chicago. Mm. So, you know, a lot of prayers to go around. Uh, and it's hard to make anything of this without all the facts. You know, we're still sort of waiting for facts to come out on this stuff. Why these shootings happened, um, you know, a lot of it's still unclear. As I said, with the um, Kansas City shooter, I guess they have some people in custody. Are they the right people? Who knows? Uh, more will come out on that, I'm sure. But, you know, I think some things are clear. And. I think we have a dangerous mental health crisis in America and we, (laughs) I think it is painfully clear that we do not have the leaders that are willing or able to fix it. Uh, I think it was RFK Jr. I heard him point out the drastic decline in mental health facilities in this nation since the 1950s, which seems to be pretty accurate. I went and tried to find some information on this. And I found this article from NPR. This is dating back to 2017. It talks about the loss of U.S. psychiatric hospitals led to a mental health crisis. So again, back in 2017, doubt things have gotten much better. Right. Um, do you want to read this paragraph?
1: says, so "...a severe shortage of inpatient care for people with mental illness is amounting to a public health crisis." as the number of individuals struggling with a range of psychiatric problems continues to rise. And it says a study published in the the journal Psychiatric Services estimates that 3.4% of Americans, more than 8 million people, suffer from serious psychological problems.
0: Yep. And then down here a little bit further, if I can find it, Yeah, it says right here, the percentage of people with serious mental, uh, mental illness in prisons rose from 0.7% in 1880 to 21% in 2005, according to the Center for Prisoner Health and Human Rights. So it went from almost nothing. To, 21. yeah, almost a quarter of the prison oh. population. And then this article here from Psychiatry Online. Oh, where was I looking? Yeah, it says uh, psychiatric inpatient treatment in the United States from the early days of family care and Dorothea Dix, I'm not sure who that is, efforts to grow the system through its peak in 1955 at more than 500,000 beds. Due to federal policy changes, the development of antipsychotic drugs, and the rise of managed care, among other factors, that trend turned downward. In between 1970 and 2014, the resident population in state psychiatric hospitals declined from about 370,000 to 40,000 and stays grew shorter. So that seems like a huge decline in the amount of people that are in our mental hospitals. So, you know, we don't need hospital treatments, just give the people some drugs, and get them back to uh, society That seems to be the current plan.
1: Yeah. One of them said that they only stay for like 72 hours in the hospital and then just send them on their way.
0: Yeah. So just get them in, get them some drugs, get them out. Mm -hmm. And if that doesn't work, just throw them in jail or prison where they most certainly won't get the help that they need. Um, So I think NPR was right in 2017. You know, we are in a mental health crisis. It hasn't gotten better. These mass shootings are evidence of the fact that it hasn't gotten better. Um, I don't necessarily know what all these numbers mean, right? I'm not a statistician dealing with mental health crisis. Um, So I will defer to RFK Jr. um, as to what he stated about the crisis. So if you think that the numbers are inaccurate, well, go and tweet RFK Jr. Um, But I think we know that we're in a mental health crisis. Like, just open your eyes and look around. Uh, Come to Albuquerque. Take a brief look you will find out pretty quickly. It's impossible to miss. And what's so sad, um, but also so scary, is that our leaders are supporting and promoting this crisis. Mm -hmm. You know, they're lifting up the mentally ill as heroes for their illness, basically. And then you couple that with our leaders, both politically and culturally, that are just so bent on dividing us, you know, just so bent on stirring up strife amongst us, you know, they push that fear porn, you want to call it that, 24-7 on the public airwaves, on social media. And it's like they're purposely driving this crisis, you would say. They're yeah. preying on people with mental illness, is what it seems like. Just like they
1: cause, yeah, it's like it's causing, it's kind of like it's a cycle. Causing
0: Well, fear in the... Yeah, I mean, it's like...
1: They're bombarding
0: them with fear, with panic, anxiety, to the point where they go and commit this level of violence. And then people just have
1: a they just have people just have a twisted view of other people and of the culture, despite
0: Well, they do, I think. And again, part of that is just human nature, but I think part of that is being bred and propagandized into us. Well,
1: our social media, yeah, they're definitely using that. I mean they don't I mean, our kids, we we always talk about the teens. I mean, even younger than teens, like just through social media alone, you know, kids who the whole transgender craze going on, like really easy to just convince people of something that's not true. And
0: yeah, I mean, we're definitely seeing it in. More walks of life than just sort of the violence, definitely in the sexual confusion.
1: It's in everything, is what I mean. Like,
0: but they never walk it back or cool it down. Like a mass shooting happens, they're never like, whoa, 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 let's take it down a notch. We're all countrymen. We all want the same goal. They never do that, right? Instead, they're just like using the tragedy that drove people. To cause some crazy, you know, mass shooting or whatever. And then they just use that tragedy to drive the wedge even deeper. Right. Like to, to make cause people more panic, more fear, paranoia, more anger, yeah. more anxiety, more stress.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Right? Um, yeah. They're not trying to calm things down or, you know, ease but they'll the blame stress.
1: it on, like what another article says later, but they'll blame it on, you know, religious people. People who supposedly oppress others, and right. I mean, it'll it, it be is they'll shift the blame. Racism,
0: classism, yeah. sexism, transphobia. You know, all these mm-hmm. different things. They never just say, "Let's tone it down, guys." Let's let's remember that we're you know all marching together and you know on this thing called America. But like they never do that, right? It's just drive the wedge deeper, and it's really. I think it's a truly wicked thing that our leaders are doing to the American populace. Um, And then I think if you couple that with our nation's loss of faith, and I don't know what we could possibly do to stop this. Like we can talk about it and rail about it and, you know, tweet about it, whatever makes you feel good. But like with a loss of faith, I don't know what you're going to do to stop this. Like we've lost our faith in a large part in this nation So rather than going to the source of healing, which would be God, like that article said, we kind of just turned towards alchemy. I mean, pharmaceuticals, if you want to call it that, you know, pharmaceuticals and materialism. Mm -hmm. And what's the result then? Pretty tragic, right? I mean, this is not an uncommon week to have, you know, we could essentially do mass shooting stories almost every week. Whatever they thought they're trying to do to reduce the mental health population, it ain't working, especially when you take God out of the society, you know, with a loss of faith, I think you just lose the ability to see the world as it really is. And as I was, you know, I went and found some articles just kind of thinking about this, you know, we don't see the world as it really is anymore. Um, we're just fed lies, you know, like Nikki was talking about with the transgenderism, we're just taught to believe lies you know, support the lie, fight for the lie, kill for the lie, all these sorts yeah. of things. It's just, it's not reality. And this article is from CNN. Um, do you want to read this paragraph?
1: He says, when we hear about bad things happening, especially when lives of many are lost or damaged at the hands of a few, we need to remind ourselves that people are generally good. We are hardwired for goodness. Easier to recognize this fact when you think of children, and then I, I, I like this other part that stood out to me, and I kind of we brought it up a second ago. He says, the more governments and individuals do to reduce the conditions that cause the darkness in which violence breeds, and then he lists wars, poverty, systemic racism, xenophobia, homophobia, religious intolerance, bullying. He says the fewer acts of horror on the news, we will have to process. So the, the, the condition that causes the darkness, he's got this weird philosophy. So darkness breeds when these, all these things he lists. So poverty right. and systemic racism and homophobia.
0: When you see mass shootings on TV, <laughs> it makes people want to commit mass shootings. You're like, well, the mass shooting already happened.
1: It's weird.
0: It, it does, it's completely 180 degrees wrong <laughs> that we are hardwired for goodness. We are inherently wicked and depraved. And we used to know that. Our founders knew that, which is why they set up so many guardrails. Mm-hmm. But we've forgotten that because we've turned away from God. Um, and since we are our own gods, you know, we have to believe that we are inherently good. We don't want to be bad gods, do we? It uh, is funny
1: how atheists usually blame the evil in the world on religious people. It's just weird. I'm like, really? Is it? Is it really religious people that's, nope. that are doing all these wicked things? Like,
0: It is not. That is another, another lie that they just swallow because it makes them feel good. Um, but that article, like... We don't understand people anymore. Uh, here's another article. This one is <laughs> amazing. It says nearly half of Americans think they're a better person than everyone they know. Well, why wouldn't they in the land of pride? But this, uh, it says, in a recent survey of 2,000 U.S. residents, 81% say they believe that humankind is inherently good.
1: Maybe they don't watch the news. That I don't know. It is a
0: ludicrous. <laughs> Number, and it's a conclusion you can only get to if you don't believe the Bible. Mm -hmm. So, how can a nation that has 65% supposedly Christians, but 81% believe the opposite of what the Bible teaches? The answer is we can't. (laughs) Those numbers aren't both true. And the one that's a lie is the 65% Christian. Uh, We've discussed this number on the show before here, but only 6% of this nation has a biblical worldview, which means only 6% of this nation is Christian. The other 59%, who knows? They just, Jesus is their homeboy, I suppose. It's some of that. So we just wanted to give you some truth about the state of humans, since CNN and studyfinds.com or .org won't. They'll lie to you. So do you want to read Romans 3.10? Yeah.
1: <laughs> there is none righteous, not even one.
0: Especially not 81%. Um, how about Romans 5.12? Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men, because all sinned. We're all sinners. How about Psalm 51.5?
1: Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin, my mother conceived me.
0: Yep. And that is King David, the man after God's own heart. If he was conceived in sin, what hope do you have? Uh, and then here's Ephesians chapter 2, verse 3 Among them, we too all formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. Mm. And we used to know these things. These scriptures we used to know and we used to sort of base our life on, our understanding of the world on. Um, But I guess, you know, we believe that all we need now is a new iPhone, some high speed internet, and man's going to live in harmony forever. It just isn't true. And it's not true because it's not biblical. Um, Proverbs chapter 30, verse 5 says, every word of God proves true. Every word of it. Romans 3.10, 5.12, Psalm 51, it's all true. And again, we used to know that. Um, but also with the loss of faith, I think we've forgotten about spiritual warfare and mm-hmm. demonic attacks that wreak havoc on our nation. Like it's somehow we've become too rich. We're so rich that Satan can't even ravage us anymore. Or that Satan can't overcome the modern workings of alchemy. I mean, medicine. Uh, but Christ himself told us that some ailments were demonic. Yep. Um, do you want to read Matthew chapter 17, verse 14 through 21?
1: Oh, sorry. It's oh, right there.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and when they came to the crowd, a man came up to Jesus, falling on his knees before him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he has seizures and suffers terribly, for he often falls into the fire and often into the water. And I brought him to your disciples, and they could not cure him. And Jesus answered and said, Oh, you unbelieving and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked him, and the demon came out of him, and the boy was cured at once. So demon. seizures, never, you never hear that just, that seizures could be
0: Demonic. Yeah, and I mean it wasn't the only thing. You know, Acts chapter ten verse thirty eight says, "says You know of Jesus of Nazareth, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power, and how he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him." So, there is real spiritual warfare, um, and not the fake, you know, spiritual warfare, whatever that is, um, you know poltergeist and this sort of stuff but the real i mean go watch nefarious (laughs) right what do you think
1: about all the you know so many people who are on drugs that alter alter your mind is that like an open door to the demonic enter like we're told to be sober-minded but are there things that people do that kind of just open the door like if you're not in your mind is that like inviting demons to just take over is that why like
0: if you smoke that marijuana you'll become one of them homosexuals (laughs) one of those like old 1950s commercials like for don't do drugs no i mean i would guess some i mean sure i would assume
1: because there's just so many people who just say and do just some bizarre stuff and i don't think that they do it because they're on drugs in the moment like they're just it just seems like something someone would do that Well, if you remember possessed. the
0: story that uh Jeff told us, you know, he's one of our pastors, he does evangelism down in kind of the you know, more drug-riddled parts of our town and he kind of talked about some you know, time when he was out doing evangelism and he could just see some like I don't know if it was like a drugged up dude or a homeless guy or you know mentally ill, whatever. Not that homeless guys, drug addicts, and mentally are all the same, but I don't know what the guy was. But he kind of talked about how he was kind of you know going over some verse or some word that he was wrestling with when he was studying Greek. And he was kind of just a mental, you know, struggle that he was having throughout the day. And this guy all like messed up just walks over to him looking all angry. Jeff's like, oh man, it's about to go down. And the guy just walks up to him and like tells him the Greek word and like perfect fluent Greek that he hadn't even voiced out loud. He's like, what did you say? And he said the Greek word again and then just like walked away. He's like, what in heaven's name was that? Like that had to have been something spiritual. Yeah. You know, so I think drugs can probably... um. Probably open you up to the demonic realm. I'm sure. Why not? I mean, right? It it lowers your inhibitions. It mm-hmm. um, impairs your mind, um, which I imagine weakens your faith. I mean, all sorts of that stuff. And then, not to mention, it just puts you in seedy and demonic environments.
1: So I'm just saying, a lot of the mental health crisis we have, it's not just that they were first having a mental health crisis. It's like the drugs led to the de- demonic. Led to the mental health crisis, or those two switched well, around. Probably like, like, like all a, connected. Uh,
0: what do you call one of those, um, like graphs where it's like the three overlapping circles? Yeah,
1: probably, yeah,
0: I don't know what those are called anymore. I think but, it's uh,
1: connected, yeah. I because I wouldn't, be that,
0: you know, maybe somebody the drugs led him to a demonic, you know, uh, influence that led him to mental illness. Yeah. Somebody might have been mental illness led him to drugs, led him to demonic, mm-hmm. like I don't know, I'm sure. I wish I could think of the name of that chart. Anyways, let me know what that chart's called in the uh, Just comments. the overlapping below. circles. I know what you mean. But yeah. I say all that to say this. That's a long intro to say this. <laughs> Buckle up, ladies and gentlemen. Um, we should expect this to get worse, especially, you know, that being like attacks on Christians. We should expect that to get worse because we have no solution to stop it. So the only reasonable explanation or expectation, is that it's going to get worse. If we have no reasonable solution to stop it, we should expect it to get worse. Yeah. So, sure up your faith, stay prayed up, stay in the word. I fear that our time of sort of the comfy, lazy, take-everything-for-granted Christian living might be coming to an end. Uh, Maybe not immediately, but maybe sooner than we But it's also an
1: exciting time because we're going to, hopefully see people wake up and more people really take their faith serious. Like it'll be a joyful time for Christians because we know this world isn't our home. Like it'll be trying times, but what did
0: I just hear, I heard a quote about from Samuel Rutherford, the great Puritan preacher and um, writer. And he said, I think I might get it wrong, but I think it's right. He said, affliction is the cellar where Christ keeps his choicest wine. You know that's where you kind of get the the surest, closest gr- glimpse of Christ and Him being involved in your life is when you're suffering through affliction.
1: Yep.
0: And we may be just so blessed as yeah. to see Christ clearly in our day. Um, praise God know. for that. So it's
1: a blessing, really.
0: Do you have any final thoughts on the mass shootings this weekend, um, or just the inherent goodness in all people? Any thoughts on nah, that? Yeah, we can move on. All right. Before we jump into our next story, um, just want to remind you guys we are proud members of the Christian podcast community. Links to that will be down in the show notes. It's a great place to go and find fifty-five to sixty good Christian podcasts talking about a whole range of topics. Some of them might even be more hopeful than this show. <laughs> Who knows? Um, so go check that out. It's, you know, one feed to get you know fifty to sixty shows. Kind of cleans up your podcast feed. Um, we've been blessed to be there and I think you'll be blessed by them as well. So, all right, we got just a few more stories to get to before we talk about Patrick Mahomes. So do you want to read this headline? Oh, hold on. All right, read this headline.
1: (laughs) Hornstar turned pastor recounts words that saved him from suicide.
0: So this story, if you read through it, and again, all of our stories that we talk about will be linked in the show notes, go check them out, read them for yourself. But this is an incredible story of redemption, really, it's what a they really talk good about story. this guy. Yeah. Um, But I do want to highlight two things from this story. The first one, we kind of mentioned this last week, and we've talked about it before, but just the damage and the wickedness that the porn industry is. So this guy Josh Broom, if you read the story, he talks about how he became essentially one of the most like famous and highly compensated male porn stars in the world.
1: Which is which is a shameful thing to say. Super you shame. You're the greatest, which is even more shame. Right, and
0: he says that I think in you know yeah. the articles he kind of talks about how shameful his past was. But I mean, he was making I think they said like over a million dollars. I mean, but then not have God save him out of that. Is amazing. But this paragraph here, do you want to read this? He says, There were
1: so many people that I worked with in the industry that had HIV and died. Somehow I did not get HIV, and I should have. There were situations I was in where people overdosed and died. I was not harmed. There were so many times I should have been dead, but I'm not. I realized that God not only was with me in that moment, he's always been with me. Why? Because I have a father, yeah, he does say earlier on that he didn't have a father growing up, yeah, so that
0: was well, of course. I mean, the porn yeah. industry industry praise well, he said it all broken home well he,
1: yeah, he just said like it stemmed everything stems from not having a father in the home,
0: but the first point that I want to mention from this story, um touching on that paragraph is, boy, isn't the porn industry wonderful? I mean, how can you not feel good about yourself after gratifying your lustful desires by watching an HIV-infected, drug-overdosing, suicidal, potentially sex trafficked, underage boy or girl? Uh, Isn't that wonderful? Don't you feel good about yourself? Yeah, I mean, 81% that- of us are good inside. So why wouldn't we gratify ourselves that way?
1: So it's like, what, what horrible things led to him to sin like this. You know, that other article it's talking about. Whatever. I don't
0: know. I mean, I'm sure he didn't just wake up one day and like, well, I just aced my algebra exam. Let's get into porn, right? I mean, I'm sure he lived a life of increasing sinfulness that led him to a place where you're publicly living that life. Um, But again, the porn industry preys on the weak, the broken, the hurting, the abused, because it's a wicked yeah. and satanic practice. So why wouldn't it prey on those? Um, but hey, you know what? It's about your pleasure, right? Their lives mean nothing. Your momentary pleasure means everything. Mm-hmm. Listen, <laughs> we talk about this. if you're still partaking of porn, please, for your own soul, and for the souls of those that are trapped in that demonic lifestyle, please, Repent, cry out to the Lord and be set free. You can lie to yourself all you want that these people are somehow happy doing what they wanna do and it means nothing. You're not harming anybody, you are. People are getting AIDS infested, killing themselves, being sex trafficked. You might be watching underage porn. You're watching children be abused sexually. Please repent from this and turn from this sin. It is such a wicked enterprise, and every time you log in and watch it, you're signing off on it. Please. And to think,
1: like, what does it matter how much you're making? Like, they know they could make so much money, millions, but the chances of getting HIV and dying are pretty high. Like, Well, people why? have always
0: been willing to risk their life for some money. Um, that's the great idol of the day. Because we, you know, we're... We're really good at lying to ourselves. I'll never get AIDS. I'll always be happy. You know, we just, we lie lied. I mean, right. We talk about the people sitting in front of the screen. We lie to ourselves every time you sit down but there to gratify that desire.
1: The story could still, if it had gone the other way with him getting HIV and, you know, he could have, you know, if he had it now, but he still could have been saved. And then God still could have taken him home. Yeah. Um, I'm just saying, like, proof that God is your father isn't that, like, you didn't get HIV. You know, God still could have allowed him and used that to draw well, right. him right I wouldn't himself. say that,
0: like, God is my father, and that's why I was spared. No. I mean, God spared you because he spared you from right, that wickedness. Right, right. I don't know how I even feel about the whole God was all. has always been with me. God's not... God's not hanging around your sinful sexually immoral lifestyle. Yeah. God hates sin. That's yeah. what separates you from him. Now his holy Spirit did come and rescue you um, and took you away from you. Yeah, that, I thought right? that was a kind of a, a weird. I wouldn't thing say, to say God was with me the whole time. Eh. I don't know. Um, and that kind of takes me to my second point here. Uh, Brahm. let me see if I can find this Here it is. Brahm is currently a pastor at the Good News Baptist Church in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. Um, And then it says he preaches and teaches around the country. I believe he also has a podcast. Um, Although I went to this Cedar Rapids Baptist Church website, and he was not listed in one of the leadership roles at the church. So I don't know what that means. But the article says he's a pastor. It talks about pastor to porn star. So my question is, Is this okay? Like, is it okay for a man who fairly recently left a life of porn? You know, it says he left in 2013 and is now a pastor. Like, how long after living a life of blatant and public sin, is this okay? And if it's not, why not? Like, you know, if you're like me and you read this, the thought is, Is this a man who still wants fame, just fame from the pulpit rather than behind the camera or in front of the camera? I mean, because like, how do you test a one woman man? You know, that phrase in there that you'd be the husband of one wife in actuality means that you're not that you're a husband of one wife because you can be a single pastor, an unmarried pastor, but it's that you're a one woman man. So how do you test a one woman man when you're dealing with a porn star? Now he's left the industry, right? But how do you judge that like, okay, now he has become a one woman man and he's meeting because if you fail in any one of those areas of an elder, you're not an elder, you're not a pastor. It's not like, well, I made seven of the whatever number. So I'm in 75% and I'm in. No, it's a hundred percent or you're out. Um, so I'm curious what you guys think about this story. Um, you know, again, great story of redemption. God saving a man out of such a vile industry. But how do you feel about a man leaving the porn industry and just a few years later becoming a pastor? I don't know when he became a pastor, but he left in 2013. And I think sometime around 2016, I think it talks about he was going to like seminary or Bible college or something to that effect. So you're talking maybe sometime around 2018-ish, 2019. I just
1: want to say... I don't think it's right for pastors to bring up their heinous sins they've done. Um, I don't think it's good that the flock is knows. Like, we don't need to know your horrible, embarrassing sins. We can just say we were all sinners. We've been saved. I just think it's shameful that that's how he's known as a former, like, the worst job you can have. Um, I would be uncomfortable if our pastor brought up the worst sins he's ever done. And then you have that in your mind. I don't know. I just think that it depends on what the sin is. I don't know. I just think... No, I
0: think so. And I think, you know, he's a podcaster. I think being, you know, the saved porn star podcaster is a good thing to talk about. I want to help you out of your porn, you know, addiction, the sin... But I think, yeah, for being a pastor, to stand up there...
1: I think he should be a pastor. I mean, you're sitting
0: in the crowd and you're like, look, I mean, he dabbled in porn and uh, all that for almost, you know, seven, eight years. Now he's a pastor. Maybe it doesn't hurt so that much would That would make doing me it, right? like, feel uncomfortable in the church. Yes. Every time he like, looked at a woman, you'd be like, don't look at my wife.
1: Right. Like, I which again was not that I don't believe he like he's he's saved and maybe he is completely set free from that but it makes it's going to make men and women
0: very uncomfortable well it is and that's why the first qualification to be a elder isn't you know an umbrella qualification to be above reproach and then to be above re- reproach you have to meet all the other qualifications in a sense and like would you consider him a man to be above reproach um now, if you guys have been here for a while, uh, you might not be surprised that I am not really a fan of this. I'm not saying that anybody who leaves that lifestyle, that it's a blanket, you can't ever be a pastor kind of a thing. But this, like you, gives me a great pause um, that he's within a decade, right, leading a church. Yeah. Like, because first, how can you claim that he's a one-woman man? Um, maybe he's over-
1: married and has three kids now or something.
0: That's true. But again, you left horn less than a decade ago. You weren't a believer less than a decade he ago. He right? like
1: how many, like it, you have to be discipled for a long time. Like when did he start thinking he wanted to be a pastor Were people pushing him into it just because he has this testimony or.
0: Oh, I'm sure. Well, Can't and that's he, what I mean. Like when you look at the, you know, a one woman man, right. Is he above reproach? the lifestyle that he lived might lead you to say, no, you know, how can he not be basically a new believer? You know, you're not supposed to be a new believer, new to the faith. You know, again, he's been a Christian for going on maybe 10 ish years. Um, at this point, not new, new, but like certainly not a seasoned Christian, I would say. Um, and at least not when he became a pastor, you know, if he went to Bible college in 2016 to 2018, 19, whatever, you're talking five or six years of faith. Yeah, that's really to soon to
1: desire to be. Yeah, I feel like that's very I feel prideful. like that's what's
0: wrong in so many of our churches. You know, guys that, oh, I just graduated Bible college and now I'm the pastor. And you're like, okay, well, yeah. is that right? You know, and, you know, again, and I talked about my thought, right? And again, it could be wrong. And if it is, I apologize, but, is this still sort of like fame chasing just from the pulpit now? Um, and I don't want to be overly critical of the guy. I'm thankful that he came out of that life. And I hope that God is doing wonders in his life and all of that. But yeah. um, like these are just my honest thoughts when I read this story. And, you know, like if you've lived a life of such public sin, I'm not sure the next step in that journey is pastor.
1: I just don't like that he had like that's what he's known for. I'm the former porn star, like, can you just be a humble servant in your church and just, you know, can teach men's Bible studies, but don't be like, I'm the former porn star who teaches the men's Bible studies. Like that doesn't have to be what you're known as because it really puts people off and you don't need to like hang on to that forever. Like, yes, God saved, you can say God saved me out of sexual immorality and leave it at that. Because we can all say, yes, we've all been sexually immoral. But that that's really deep and dark, and it it is shameful to speak of our sins and to just keep talking about it. And I don't go up to people and tell them all the sins I've done. I don't want to be known.
0: No, I don't, I don't know Just that know
1: that true. I was in darkness, and now I'm in light. Leave it at that. We all can relate to all the temptation of sin. But the the, the really disturbing thing about his... Past job is that he's likely been with underage, underage kids, like teens, unknowingly, which I'm sure people do know. So I'm
0: just, that's just. And this is kind of my big problem. Like, God works in his heart, saves him, praise God. What makes you think as a Christ follower that, like, I got to be a pastor instead of just being like, Yeah. Lord, I just want to fall at your feet. Yeah. Thank you. I'm going to sit and I'm going to like acknowledge the sin, like that I, the life that I lived and just be so grateful. But like, why want to be a pastor that quickly? I feel like it's just misguided. Like, even the Apostle Paul, the Pharisee of Pharisees, I think he took like 15 years after getting saved to go on his missions. And that's after being visited by the resurrected Jesus and going to the third heaven. He still took a step back, took 15 years. This guy just walked away from a life of public depravity on a, a pretty massive scale and's like, I'm ready to be a pastor. Like, no, nah, I don't think you are. I think your life before this might signify you're meant to be a church member, mm-hmm. not a pastor. And again, this kind of goes to a theme that we've talked about a lot on here. We need to start holding pastors in some pretty high esteem. Yeah. I mean, we yeah. just kind of turn the pastorship and the eldership into like just whoever raises their hand. I'd like to be a pastor. Well, can you talk good? Then get up here, Johnny, and lead this church instead of being like, look, man, I don't think you're qualified. Um, and that's okay. Not many are called to be pastors. And it's okay if you're not. So what do you guys think? Am I being too harsh on Josh Brom? Broom, is this a wonderful story of redemption and God's grace? Or is it a cautionary tale and we should hold the office of elder a bit higher in regard and like really look seriously at the qualifications listed in the Bible?
1: Yeah, like you can be saved, but then Satan can come in and tempt you for the fame part of it again, like you might have, you know, you're saved, but it's sanctification is a process. It doesn't mean that you can't be deceived again and tempted in that area, like the fame and whatever. I don't know. Does he need to work anymore? Does he need an income after?
0: <laughs> I don't know.
1: I just save his money from before. I don't know.
0: I don't know. I think it's an interesting yeah. story. I mean, I, like I said, I'm not a fan of it. I don't no, know how you are maintaining a good, re- good reputation to those outside the church, with that being your past. I don't know how you're above reproach. I don't know how you're a seasoned believer. I don't know how you're a one woman man.
1: Maybe he's just so excited about the scriptures because
0: I'm sure his he testimony. Is
1: he's like, I learned the scriptures by studying, by reading, and just studying. Like he seemed like on the right track in his faith. Um, his conviction, just reading it, it seemed real. Um, I'm sure his faith
0: is real. I mean, I'm not going to doubt yeah. the man's faith, but I think he probably should have had some be- but, better people around him. But to But there's be like, a lot
1: of people in churches temperate. that want to. They're like, oh, maybe having him in our church and 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 letting it be known to everybody of his testimony, and that's going to draw in more numbers. People might want to go to that church because...
0: Well, we are the land of... Church growth equals yeah. church success, don't People
1: you? might just be grabbing a hold of him and convincing him to be in a position he shouldn't be in because that, that happens yeah. a
0: lot. I mean, and I don't know. I don't want to speak ill of this <clears throat> church in uh, Cedar Rapids. I don't know it, but not a fan. Um, I would have cautioned him otherwise. So love to know what you guys think. Are we wrong? Um, let us know in the comments. So um, we want to look at... This uh, one more story, the survey before we get to Patrick Mahomes, um, before we dive into the survey, please take a second to like the show if you like it, subscribe if you haven't or follow if you're on Rumble, if you're on the podcast, subscribe, follow whatever your platform asks you to do. Consider leaving a comment, a five star review if you got the time, you'd certainly be blessed by that. All right. Um, oh, and you can send us an email. Come find us on social media, all those things. We'd love to hear from you guys. So this survey, you guys know that I like surveys. If you've been here for a while, I'm a survey guy. Um, I don't know the last time that we looked at a survey. I don't know why bit. I'm a survey guy. You do guy.
1: like them because sometimes I'm looking at them and I just get confused. Like well, you seem to like grasp it up. And I'm like, oh my gosh, all the numbers. Just it, I know why I like to look me, at like. them.
0: <laughs> I just don't know the last time we looked at one and went, boy, American Christianity is doing all right. Every time we look at them, we're like, oh, come now, Lord. And then we look at another one, we're like, oh, <laughs> come. Well, this is one of those. Um, even still, I'm a survey guy. I just like the simplicity of it. Just tell me the numbers. I'll, I mean... Just tell me the numbers, and I'll make things up on my own to fit around it. That's what I like about it. Um, so do you want to read this headline here?
1: Um, pre-teens rejecting uh, several biblical teachings, survey reveals. <laughs> um, oh, and that said American children rejecting, um, if it matters. It's about
0: America. <laughs> Everything's about America. Uh,
1: A prominent Christian researcher is warning that we are on the precipice of Christian invisibility in this nation, as new research shows that preteens are rejecting beliefs associated with a biblical worldview.
0: (laughs) This air quotes researcher, if you want to call them that, uh, he must not have watched the Super Bowl. Because how can this be true with such powerful (laughs) messaging as the He Gets Us campaign, the foot-washing campaign?
1: Honestly, I don't even think I saw that one, but it's been Uh, going around.
0: Could it be that maybe God deemed the way that the gospel spread isn't through multi-million dollar TV advertisements, but rather through the advertisement of your life? And uh, it's failing in the lives of believers which is why it's becoming invisible. But I digress. Back to the survey, honey. Do you want to read some of these numbers here?
1: Oh, sure. All right. The findings of the research are based on responses from 400 preteens collected in December 2022, 600 parents of children younger than 13 gathered in January 2022, 600 pastors of Christian churches collected in February 2022, 400 teenagers gathered in November and December 2022 in a January 2023 survey of 2,000 adults. When asked if they believed that Jesus Christ is the only way to experience eternal salvation based on confessing your sins and relying uh, only upon his forgiveness of your sins, just 36% of preteens answered in the affirmative, 34% of parents and 54% of children's pastors said the same. Um, 25% of preteens agreed that the Bible is the true word of God that should be a guide to knowing right from wrong and living a good life. Significantly higher shares of parents, 44%, and children's pastors, 62%, expressed agreement with the statement stressing the value of the Bible. Less than half of the preteens, 21%, Parents, 28%, and children's pastors, 36%, believed that there are absolute truths, things that are right and things that are wrong, that do not depend on feelings, preferences, or circumstances. Those truths are unchanging and knowable. While uh, similarly, small percentages of preteens, 27%, and parents, 33 agreed that the main reason to live is to know, love, and serve God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. A majority of children's pastors, 56%, identified knowing, loving, and serving God as the purpose of life. Only 17% of preteens defined real success in life as consistently obeying God, along with 19% of parents and 42% of children's ministers, Additional findings about the views and spiritual lives of preteens included in the report state that 26% of children between the ages of 8 and 12 consistently consult the Bible when trying to determine right from wrong, and that 21% of preteens surveyed believing, uh, believe turning to the Bible is the best way to disting, distinguish right from wrong.
0: Woo, that's all a right. lot to read. Sum that up. <laughs> so that's a lot to read. Um, yeah. Again, this survey will be linked in the show notes. You can go read all the stuff. Um, for yourself, if you kind of lost track of what was going on there, but the big takeaway from that survey is at least from my perspective, a hundred percent of those pastors that were, uh, interviewed or surveyed, believe they are Christians yet less than half of them believe even basic Christian doctrines. Hmm. Uh, I mean, just go through there, you know, talks about, um, of pastors believe there's absolute truths. (laughs) What do the other 64% believe? Yeah. Like just one after after another. In this nation, this is why this survey is important to me. This nation has failed because Christians stopped believing in God. You know, we can blame the satanic Democrat party all we want, and they bear some blame for sure. You know, we can blame the baby boomer generation and the sins that they've brought upon this nation, their pride and their greed. We can blame the media, the entertainment culture, hip hop culture. We can blame all of it. And it all bears some of the responsibility, some of the blame. But the greatest blame falls at the feet of Christians who have lost faith. I mean, pastors who have failed in their duty Mm -hmm. And I will add in there, this doesn't add that, I'll add it in, fathers who have abdicated their responsibility to lead and guide their homes in righteousness. That's what that survey screams to me. Families. Families, children, parents, pastors, none of them actually believe what the Bible teaches. And it's because we've got pastors who don't actually believe in God yet claim to be Christian, and fathers who failed to lead families in righteousness. Well, so
1: many people, like we've talked before about the all the the biblical womanhood, the women who they want to just pursue their career in ministry and like full-time and travel and do all these conferences. And just the family just so messed up even in churches. Um, they don't see the home as the ministry. They, they still want a ministry outside the home, because they don't see family, raising your children, teaching them a biblical worldview, teaching them the scriptures. They don't see that
0: as important. And I would say even for those women, they have husbands who have failed them. Right. Failed to teach them their proper roles and responsibilities to lead and guide their family rightly. And so the women, the men, they just take whatever their desires are in life find it somewhere in the Bible, to make themselves feel okay and Christian. But then when you actually ask them basic Christian truth, like, yeah, I don't believe that. Okay, well, like, you don't believe in absolute truth? You don't believe that you're here to worship and serve God? No, I'm just here to worship well, and serve myself. I think things are going to turn
1: around. I feel optimistic just being part of, like, just the homeschool community, just the big boom in the homeschoolers, and it, a lot of it is... Christian. So the kids are being with their family more because of it. And I think, I feel like the generation that's coming up, like our kids, are going to make a difference for this nation. I think they're the ones. Well,
0: I certainly ride the roller coaster of feeling optimistic and hopelessly depressed. Yeah.
1: But we do have like a
0: homeschooling is the revolution. We've said that for,
1: but it's the same generation. The kids that are in the public school system right now being, you know, not all of them are getting brainwashed. You know, there are Christians who have their kids in the public school that do teach them. You know, I don't think they're all just lost to the world. I don't believe that. And there are kids who are homeschooled that don't have Christian families. So it's not like the answer. And it's, but I just see there's an extreme to this generation, our kids' generation. On the one hand, you have the really confused, you know, the extreme, the ones that think they're opposite gender. And and even further than that, they think they're an animal. <laughs> um, and then we have the kids that are being raised in home, learning from home. And something's going on with this generation because they are polar opposites from each other. The kids yeah. being homeschooled, being taught a biblical worldview versus these ones that are being are being brainwashed in some of the schools.
0: Um, but, I mean, the problem's going to be, though, unless the pastors and the fathers get on board, like, we're not going to save it without that. It's not going to be saved by moms homeschooling kids. Right, fathers yes, and the fathers. have to yeah, be yeah, you're on right. board. I wanted to, uh, will you read Romans chapter 10, verse 13 through 17? I just think it's a good passage to read for what we're talking about.
1: All right. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us. So faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ.
0: Yeah, like how will they hear unless someone preaches? But we've sent men who don't believe in God and have no grounding in the Christian faith to teach and preach a Christian faith. And make no mistake, like these men will be judged more harshly, Mm -hmm. and that should terrify them. And we should pray for their repentance. You know, we discussed uh, Joel Osteen. That's one of them. We discussed him and his church earlier. Um, but there's so many more, apparently. I mean, looking at yeah. this number, there's so many more. But, you know, I bet those kids have great youth groups. I bet they have, you know, youth pastors that do everything they can to make sure those 8 to 12-year-olds are having a good time when they show up to church better not actually teach them about sin and repentance and absolute truth, you know, sacrifice and service. Just play kickball and the kids will come on back. And I bet those parents have wonderful coffee at their church's Sunday morning services. And I'm sure those pastors have a lot to brag about each week when they stir their congregation up in emotion and they come on down to give their life to Jesus. I'm sure they have a lot of a lot of things to feel prideful about. But the church has failed this nation because it got comfortable. It got lazy. It stopped standing for the truth, bought into the lie. I think that we could have it all. Like we are Israel. I know we're not the first ones to say it, but we are Israel. God has blessed this land immensely, and we turned our backs on him and we trusted in the blessings instead of the giver of the blessings. That's all these numbers scream to me. We got comfortable and lazy and we just bought into the lie that we can be the, we can be the generation of Christians that have nothing to worry about. The good times will never end. Um, And you fathers aren't off the hook either. Like you gave your kids souls away and why, you know, so you could go and earn a few extra dollars at work. You sent your wife off to work so you guys could have another new car, another vacation. You know, you took, stopped going to church so you could watch some extra football games on Sunday. Like your families need you and you failed them. I'm not talking to all of you, obviously. I'm just talking generically to the fathers in this nation. Um, you know, we talked about the shootings that started or at the start of the show, we talked about the mass shootings, um, you know, in the godless media, the godless entertainment and political class, they're going to blame the nor- or the gun as usual, right? That's what they always do. Um, But they're wrong, of course, as they always are. The church and the fathers are to blame. Um, Because the church traded truth for, you know, growth, like we talked Mm -hmm. about. Trade the truth for growth. And fathers traded their families for idols of sex and money, basically. Um, You know, we can and should point out the flaws in our culture. We do that every week on this show. But every time we do... Let's remember that those flaws exist because the church and the fathers gave up their responsibilities. And I know there's someone out there being like, you know, Satan's responsible. Sure. But godless men who stop protecting their families from the, you know, the devices of the devil and churches who stop preaching against that and standing on the truth of God's word and calling their churches to a higher level of service and sacrifice. They're the ones that have let their guard down. Um, Kids don't have faith because parents don't have faith. Parents don't have faith because the church doesn't have faith. We are the problem. However, the good news, and there is good news at the end of this, we could also be the solution, you know, but that would take immense repentance on our part from our fathers, our churches, namely from those two. And I'm just... You know, this is that roller coaster of emotion. I'm just not sure that we're built for that anymore, at least not with the current, you know, mature citizens in this nation Been too comfy, too fat, too lazy for too long. So, I mean, hopefully the homeschool generation can raise up a new breed of um, people in this nation, because I fear, you know, we always say like outside of revival. Okay, well, like that's the long shot, right? Unless the Holy Spirit does something, we're like, how about you do something? Yeah. How about you take your family to church? The
1: revival. How
0: about your pastor stand up and preach the whole counsel of God and not worry about making everybody comfortable in the church? Some people might actually leave. Heaven forbid, you know, when you actually start preaching the truth. But we got to, I mean, we got to look ourselves in the face or in the mirror and be like, Yeah. yeah, we failed this nation. We can rail against President, whoever, and Senator whoever and celebrity, whoever, it's not their fault. It's our fault. They're just byproducts of our failure is the way I would see that. Yep. So, um, these numbers are stark. You can go read from, read them for yourself. Um, but I think, man, we have got some work to do and it's going to start with individual families, individual churches, pastors leading and teaching, and it's not going to be a quick fix. I mean, like we've been saying, this is generational fixes, um, so we better get in um, and be ready for the long haul, which yeah. again, part of me fears, we just ain't built for that anymore. Um, but do you have any last thoughts on how the church or fathers just quit on this society?
1: Well, I'm sure we're going to kind of get into it a little bit. Yeah. The next topic anyway. And I will
0: just mention, because I'll get you know yelled <clears throat> at, but... If you're a pastor who is preaching the whole counsel of God, if you're a father who has led his family in righteousness, then praise God for you. I'm not talking about you. If you came from a good home and a good church, praise God for them. Um, But encourage others to be those parents, be that church, because we don't have enough of them. Apparently, I'm looking at the numbers. Apparently, we don't have enough of them. So, um, all right. We'll move on to a more specific case than generic numbers on a survey. Do you want to read this headline?
1: All right. Uh, NFL MVP Patrick Mahomes says Christian faith plays a role in everything I do. Head of Super Bowl.
0: Yep. So the Super Bowl took place last week. Um, It was boring for the most part, but the Chiefs won again. Uh, if you're a Chiefs fan, congratulations. Uh, but one of the stories leading up to the Super Bowl and even you know after the game was Patrick Mahomes and Brock Purdy's, the San Francisco quarterback. Their faith was kind of on display throughout the Super Bowl. Both have been outspoken about their faith in Christ, which is a great thing for sure. Um, they should be encouraged to keep speaking boldly for Christ. Uh, but not all is good. On the Patrick Mahomes faith front. I saw this story this week, um, and it really ties into what we just talked about fathers and husbands giving up their God ordained roles in the house. You want to read this headline.
1: Uh, Brittany Mahomes celebrates Super Bowl win after her Sports Illustrated swimsuit debut.
0: So, Brittany Mahomes, she is the wife of outspoken Christian Patrick Mahomes and she went and posed for Sports Illustrated Swimsuit Edition the pictures are obviously on in the magazine the website but they're also all up on her Instagram page that has over 2 million followers and this is shameful of her and it's shameful of Patrick Mahomes This is simply something you don't do if your faith is in God and you're seeking his approval and you're seeking to please him. This is something you do when your concerns are mammon and fame. And from what I read, Patrick Mahomes supported this move. Um, This article here, speaking about uh, Brittany, says the 28-year-old gave a shout-out to husband Patrick, also 28, in a post on Friday sharing her gratitude for the Kansas City quarterback's support in her first SI photo shoot. So, you know. Supports it. Yeah, I mean, unless we hear or see otherwise, Patrick Mahomes not only signed off on her doing this, but he approved of it. And
1: Wonder this is what exactly what goes we talked to. about.
0: Yeah, I didn't look up what church <laughs> he goes to. Uh, yeah, I might have a message to be sent to the pastor Like there.
1: The pastor should be, because the pastor would know People probably look to Patrick Mahomes for you know, to follow in his footsteps spiritually. Like he's leading the way because he's outspoken in his faith. So he's him and his wife are telling other Christians how to live your wife. He's teaching other husbands that it's okay to let your wives flaunt their bodies. And then so everybody in the church, how many men in the church lust after his wife? Like, think of the damage that does to your church. Like, the pastor should be calling him out, maybe publicly. Well, he's this publicly, he's de- saying, I'm a
0: Christian. And you should certainly be I under church God discipline and... for this. Yeah. But also, Patrick and Brittany Mahomes have two children. And what does this speak to those kids? Like, does it speak to those kids that walking rightly before God is of utmost importance in your life? You know, does it say that there are like certain biblical principles that even for any amount of money, we shouldn't bend on? Of course it doesn't. It doesn't say any of that. It They're says
1: following the way of Satan. They are. they Just because you go to church and you like God and you think he's, he's a good guy for dying for your sins. Like, what is it that you like about Jesus? Like, do you well, love I him? I think it's
0: a prosperity gospel mindset, right? Because mm-hmm. I mean, what you're teaching your kids is like, hey, your mom's pretty. And, uh, you know, we can make some extra money if she takes her clothes off and shows her body to a perverted world.
1: Well, isn't this also...
0: Like, if you grow up and you're pretty or handsome, you might be able to do it, too. Yeah. I mean, what else can you teach them? But
1: isn't this kind of like a gateway into the porn industry? Like, this is the path that's leading, leading there. Well, I would one of the paths, I guess. I would
0: guess. And, you know, depending on how puritanical and prudish you are, you might say this is... Basically porn already, right? A swimsuit edition. um, I mean, the culture
1: changes their definition of what is porn. I mean, definitely.
0: Well, you'd certainly walk a fine line It would be called that. It's certainly a fine line of asking like, why is doing this okay? But if you just took the swimsuit off, now it's not okay.
1: Right. I mean, doing that in front of everybody is shameful, but it's honestly, you shouldn't you shouldn't even wear a bathing suit in front of anybody like that's that's lingerie only your husband should ever see you in anything that's equivalent to a bathing suit um right, i a- don't wear like anymore i used to wear regular bikinis years ago but like you have kids and they're especially they're getting older and you're it's shameful like you just don't wear stuff like that in front of your kids either Patrick
0: Mahomes is in my opinion, abdicating his responsibilities as a husband and father. He's failing to protect his wife and failing to lead them and guide them in righteousness. Um, and I think he does not need so much as our, um, our uh, praise for his boldness, but instead I think he needs our correction for his sinful lack of concern, for his family's spiritual well-being. Um, this is from Patrick Mahomes. In this uh, Christian Post article, he says, my Christian faith plays a role in everything that I do. I mean, I always ask God to lead me in the right direction and let me be who I am for his name. And if that's true, like this is simply not a thing that a man who proclaims faith plays a role in everything he does, does. This is not something you do if that's truly who you are. Um, yeah,
1: everything we do, we should say, "How does this bring glory to God's name? Is this bringing glory to myself, or to God? Is this drawing all my fans closer to God, or is it drawing them to something else, to lust?" Or-? Right,
0: and that might be hard on the the small things, right? Hey, I bought. Am I gonna? I don't know. Uh, tough it out through this injury and play on Sunday or am I going to sit it out? How does this glorify God? Maybe you don't think that, but am I going to display my wife's half-naked body to the entire world so that we can make some money? That's probably one you should take under some consideration. Um, Yeah. He says in here as well, I know that I'm here for a reason to glorify him. He said it means everything not only about my football career but all the decisions that I've made I have a faith backing and I know why I'm here it's not about winning football games it's about glorifying him I think it gives me that I have no pressure when I step out on the football field I know why I'm here so why
1: are you here what is your role like does he just know his role in life as his profession bringing in money for his family but he doesn't know his role As a husband and father, he doesn't understand how much more important that role is.
0: Certainly doesn't seem like it. And, you know, it could just be, right, that he's like married to a Jezebel, maybe. Um, But it also could be that he suffers from what so many American Christians suffer with. And that's a prosperity gospel mindset. You know, and like, why am I here, right? And it's kind of that a gospel mindset that says I'm rich and successful. Therefore God is blessing me and whatever makes me more rich and successful is a gift from God. So like, I'm just here to be blessed by God. I don't know. And whatever I put my hand to, and that's unbiblical. And we just need to reject that uh, mindset and that teaching wherever we find it, not just with Patrick Mahomes, but we should reject that mindset. Mm -hmm. Um, Because, yeah, I don't know what you are here for. If It's not to lead and guide your family in righteousness um, and serve God and live obediently to his commands. I don't know what else you're here for. Um, In this statement here from his wife, Brittany Mahomes, she says, I think I align perfectly with SI's swimsuit vision because I'm unapologetically always myself in any setting. I want women to feel empowered to always be yourself, love yourself, and feel confident in whatever you do and think. I think S.I. Swimsuit does this, Mahomes told S.I. Like, if this is what she thinks, which she said it, where has Patrick Mahomes been? Like, how can a man who's doing everything for the glory of God have a wife who believes Showing your half-naked body to the world is empowerment, and that's where her beliefs line up.
1: Be empowered to live contrary to God's word. Yeah, maybe you're empowered by Satan and not the Holy Spirit.
0: Well, you would have to be. Like, her beliefs don't line up with God. They line up with S.I.'s swimsuit, is what she says. And again, you can tell me that, well, she believes it, and it's not Patrick's fault. But he signed off on it, He approved of it. We just read it to you. She said he supported it fully, right? So it is his fault. Does
1: she claim to be a Christian?
0: I haven't seen anywhere where she claims to be a Christian. Uh, I would. Maybe not. I don't know how she could. So why is this important to Christians? And I think this is important to Christians because this is sort of the modern American Christian ethic. Whatever makes me happy, whatever makes me successful is from God. If it's neglecting my family's spiritual health to the point where my wife thinks it's empowering to take her clothes off for the world, but in the process we get more famous and make more money, well, it's a blessing from God. Like Patrick Mahomes is leading his family to be one of those statistics that we referenced earlier. Kids and parents who profess faith in God, yet don't believe anything the Bible teaches. That's where they're going. And this is important because this is the majority of Christians. Again, 6% with a biblical worldview, which means 6% of Christians believe what the Bible says. And the rest are do what you want, live how you want, slap a cross necklace on, and you're Christian.
1: But in doing this, allowing his wife to you know, get glory for herself in this way, and I guess some for him too. It's him feel good to flaunt her, but he's he's putting her in danger, honestly. Like, you don't know how many people just would stalk. Oh, I'm sure, Stalk her. I mean, maybe they already do anyway, but this is, you're supposed to protect your wife, and this is you just completely saying, I don't care, anybody can... Can look at her. Um, it just kind of it doesn't go, show boys. that he loves her. Have your
0: way with my wife.
1: It shows the opposite. It doesn't make him look like a godly man at all.
0: No, it doesn't at all. And we have to have the discernment to recognize this. If you're in the six percent, you have to have the discernment to recognize this error. Like if you're a father or husband, then lead your family in righteousness. That's what you should be doing. Um, because it's your responsibility and God's going to hold you accountable, right? Eve ate the apple first and God came looking for Adam because it was Adam's job to protect her. Just the same as it's my job to protect Nikki. It's your job. And it's Patrick Mahomes's job. So what should we do about it? Um, I think if you have kids, a family that likes sports, I would discuss this with your family. You know, do a Bible study discussing the proper roles for mothers and fathers. Um, What it means, you know, to be a Christian and to live your life for Christ. What it means to protect your family, to protect your wife. Set the example in your own home of putting Christ first in your life. Put him first over money. Put him first over sports, over trinkets, and all sorts of things. I think we also should probably reach out to Patrick Mahomes And, you know, lovingly warn him against such actions, call him to repentance. He's on Twitter, I'm sure. Because, you know, if you've been following Patrick Mahomes, he's already kind of at least dabbled in the whole race victimhood um, discussions. He's already kind of walking that path a little bit. Now giving his wife over to lustful sin. He's not on a good path. That should concern us for Patrick Mahomes. So how should we pray about it? Um, it's really easy to say, you know, that we love God, but it's not quite so easy to live in a way that shows the evidence or supports that statement. Um, so I would say, pray, you know, Amos chapter five, verse 15, that you would hate evil, and you would love good. I would pray that. You could open up Psalm 119 and pray pretty much anything in there, you know, and you'll find yourself praying that you love God's law. And that you you know are praying to avoid the trappings of especially America this fallen culture um you know I was praying through Psalm 119 today and I can't remember the verse but it was talking about praying that God would protect um protect the the psalmist from his oppressors and I was thinking and praying about what are my oppressors or what are our oppressors in this world and Like in this instance, Sports Illustrated is the oppressor. They're oppressing Brittany Mahomes Mm -hmm. into a life of sexual immorality and perversion. But they don't realize it because there's probably some dollars attached to it. So we don't recognize that oppression. No one's locking Mm -hmm. you in jail. They're just locking you in a jail of sin. Sin
1: wants to keep you in bondage, but it always presents itself as something great and wonderful.
0: Yeah. Um, And it's not, it's bondage. And those are the oppressors that we should be praying against. The oppressor might look slightly different in your life, but it's not. If it's oppressing you, if it's leading you into a prison of sin, that's your oppressor. Uh, You know, Patrick Mahomes, he's not on the slippery slope. He's kind of slipping and sliding down that slope right now. And he doesn't seem to realize it, which is scary, but we should realize it. Um and make those corrections in our own life, talk about it in our own life and reach out to him. Um, call him to repentance, call him to lead and lead us home in a godly way. Mm-hmm. He's so, really
1: making it um hard. So many men following after him, wanting to be like him, even in the way of just saying letting your wives just flaunt themselves. Um and like you're the wife belongs to the husband. Um, your body is is for your husband only. We um, are precious. We are precious to our husbands. And, um, yeah, don't give yourself what belongs to your husband to the world's eyes. Um, we really need to teach our children that. It's not something to be proud of, like what she, what his wife said. Um that it's empowering and all that. And that is of the culture. That's so of the world. You recognize all those words she says. We've all heard them
0: before. It's not empowering. It's insulting to your husband is what it is. It's embarrassing to your husband is what it is. And that's kind of my final thoughts on this is, you know, if you are married to a beautiful woman, you should praise God for that because it's a gift that he gave to you. But that beauty is for you. It's not for you to, you know, make yourself Feel good, puff up your pride, stroke your ego by flaunting your wife around, you know, whether that's at the beach and she's half naked in a bikini, whether it's at the gym where she's painted on her workout clothes. That's not proper. Um, That's a gift for you from God. You should cherish it and protect it. Um, And it's not empowering to go and flaunt yourself to the world. It's sinful. It's shameful. It's embarrassing for your husband. And, um, you know, we should take care of that in our own lives. And, you know, uh, Patrick claims to be a Christian, you know, what's James say, if you, uh, correct a brother in his sin, I'm getting the verse wrong, but like, if you correct him into sin and lead him back, you might've saved a soul. Mm-hmm. So if Patrick yeah. is a brother in the faith, then we should correct him in his sin and hope that we can restore him and lead him back. So, um, consider reaching out to him and in that same vein, in our recommended listening, we wanted to just kind of highlight proper husband and father roles, and there's not many people doing it better than Vody Bakum. So that's going to be our recommended listening, Leading as a Husband and Father by Vodi Bauckham. It's a little bit old now, but still really good. So go give that a listen, and then we will be back on tomorrow on the podcast with our devotional on Genesis chapter seven. And then I'll be back next week, kind of Monday through Thursday with the daily shorts. We're on YouTube, TikTok, Facebook, Instagram. And then of course, next week, Saturday, we'll be back with the podcast with whatever the world throws at us. So that's all we got. Lead and guide your homes in righteousness. All right, God bless.